Greetings from Quail Lakes Baptist Church in Stockton, California. Thank you for your interest in our downloadable messages. Our more recent teachings, such as Pastor Mark's current sermon series, are always available on iTunes. However, for a more comprehensive offering of Quail's Bible-based teachings from Pastor Mark and others, we offer an extensive archive of downloadable sermon MP3s on our website, as well as information on our fellowship and our ministries. Please visit us online at www.qlbc.org. These messages are also available on CD or cassette. For more information, please call our church office at 209-951-7380. We trust you will be blessed and edified by what you are about to hear. Thank you for listening. Take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 6. That's where we are today. Matthew chapter 6. We're in a series of messages entitled Living Well. By that we mean living the kind of life that is fulfilling, that is meaningful, and that is following the will of the Lord. Here's the key concept today. Anxiety can be defeated through extravagant trust. Anxiety can be defeated. Today we're talking about pursuing uh, peace in the midst of anxiety. In the few, uh, few messages in this series so far, we've talked about pursuing hope in the midst of discouragement, forgiveness in the midst of anger, today peace in the midst of anxiety. And the key is extravagant trust. Extravagant means going beyond reasonable limits. So the question becomes, okay, since we're talking about trust in God, what would you say is the reasonable amount of trust we should place in God? And to answer that question, we need to answer some other questions. How big is God? How strong is God? How smart is God? The way we answer these questions begin to betray the size of the God that we really believe in. And we can answer those questions possibly theologically correct in head knowledge. We can rattle off the words and say, well, God is infinite, God is almighty, and God is all-knowing. But if these truths just remain vague things that we think in our mind, but do not penetrate our heart and change our behavior, really, no matter what we say we think, we have a shrunken view of God. And if we have a shrunken view of God, our life will be filled with anxiety. So today, I want to unshrink your view of God. Let me try to do that just for a moment. Think about the creation that God has made. You can think about the planet, think about nature, but think beyond that. Think about the heavens, the galaxy that we exist in, and the galaxies beyond this one. I was reading an article recently that scientists tell us that there are 200 million stars in our galaxy. And they say there are 200 million galaxies beyond our galaxy. So this article was saying, if we were to get into a vehicle 
that traveled 669 million miles an hour, that's 186 miles, excuse me, 186,000 miles a second, and begin to travel through our Galilee, before 10 seconds is passed, we'd be past the moon. Before 10 minutes is passed, we would be out of our solar system. And then we would begin to travel in space. One year, five years, 10 years, 100 years, 1,000 years. As we would travel on and on, 50,000 years at 669 million miles an hour. After traveling 50,000 years, we are one half of the way through our galaxy. And there are 200 million galaxies out there. And your God created them all, sustains them all, is over it all, and he governs it all. Don't shrink your view of God. If I have a shrunken view of God, I'm going to live in a constant state of anxiety. If I have a shrunken view of God, I'm going to think that everyone and everything always depends on me. If I have a shrunken view of God, I'm not going to be drawn to prayer because I'm not sure that God will really intervene. With a shrunken view of God, I'm going to really care most about what other people think of me because they seem more real to me than God. With a shrunken view of God, I want credit for everything. And sometimes I want credit for things that I don't do. Because I'm not not really sure that God sees me as valuable, so I want to build my own value. With a shrunken view of God, I'm not going to worship. I'm not going to serve. I'm not going to live in hope when circumstances are hard. I'm not going to trust. I'm going to attempt, attempt only those things that I know for sure I can succeed at because it's really all about me and what I can do. And with a shrunken view of God, my life shrinks, my hope shrinks, my, my mind shrinks. Everything about me begins to get smaller and so, smaller. Each of us lives out the consequences of the size of the God that you trust. Small God, small trust. We live small lives with a small vision. We're seemingly going it alone. But when the head answers, God is almighty, all-knowing. God is infinite. When those answers come into my heart and I begin to absolutely trust them and they change my my behavior, my view of God expands, so my trust expands and my anxiety can be dealt with. This is hugely important. And Jesus knew that it's hugely important. And that's what he, why he says what he says in Matthew 6. Read with me, starting in verse 28. He says, Why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into fire... Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. 
Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Let's unshrink our view of God. What do we learn about God in that brief passage? We learn that God is wise enough to know what we need. We learn that He's powerful enough to rule an eternal kingdom. We, know he's, we learn He's gracious enough to show us favor. He's loving enough to see that in His sight we have value. And all of this adds up to the fact that I can extravagantly trust Him. A big God in a big way. I can submit to Him because I know that what He has in mind for me is best. Anxiety can be countered by extravagant trust, and we must do it because we live in an anxious time. We live anxious lives. We struggle with anxiety. The New York Times recently reported a discovery made by the scientists working on the Human Genome Project. They have identified what they call the worry gene. It is SLC684 gene on chromosome 17Q12. I have no idea what any of that means. But I just said it so you didn't think I'm making it up. I could have been making up that gobbledygook talk right there, but I wasn't. Just trust me. That's what they're saying, okay? The worry gene. Those who have a short version of that gene are especially prone to worry. And as I say that, some of you right now are worrying that you have the worry gene. (laughs) And if that caused you to worry that you have the worry gene, you probably have the worry gene. But whether you have it or not, life is filled with stuff that causes us stress and anxiety. Stuff that we can't do anything about for the most part, but yet we're anxious about it. In those moments, this is what God wants you to hear. He wants you to hear, trust me with extravagant trust because I am an extravagant God. If you do, I will give you strength that will surprise you. You'll be able to cope with what you're facing because I will show up. The prophet Isaiah, speaking about God, says this in Isaiah 26, You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. That's right thinking. Steadfast trust in a steadfast God. That is where peace is found. And here is why you should trust God extravagantly today. One, he's wise enough to know what you need. Verse 31. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. God knows what you need and he knows what you will need. See, part of an anxious life is anxiety that comes from an exaggerated view about how much of the future I can really change and how much it depends on me. Somehow we believe this lie that comes from our culture that says, if I worry enough about this, maybe I can change the future. But you don't know what the future holds. God knows. He knows what you need now, and He knows what you're going to need then. And He calls us to live one moment at a time in trust with Him, in so doing, to have a life that is confident in God. 
And what do you think the Bible word is for living a life that is confident in God? It is faith. I have a confidence in God. That's what faith is. I have confidence and faith that God knows just what I need. That's what God wants you to know. But here's the rub. Very often what we are anxious about, what we worry about, is really not so much a need at all. Very often what we're worrying about is not in the category of need, it's more in the category of desire. And the desires are driven by the fact that you live in a culture that teaches you to be in competition all the time with everybody around you. I'll draw an example from my growing up years. Once in a while, once in a great while, my parents would allow us to have soda at the dinner table. Usually not, but once in a while they would get out a, you know, a bottle of soda and uh, they would pour soda for, for dinner. And I don't know about you and you grew up, but this is what me and my sister did. The minute we saw that soda bottle come out being ready to pour into glasses, we brought our glasses together and we're like measuring Hey, hey, she got more than me, you know. No, she got more. Was that a need? Did I need that little bit more of soda? No, no. It felt like a need only because I was in competition. It really was a desire. And that tricks us over and over again in life. It's really in the category of desire, and I'm worried about it, I'm anxious about it, but it's it's not a need. I go to my neighbor's house, and he shows me a gadget that he bought. I never heard of this gadget before. I never knew that it existed. But after a half an hour talking to my neighbor, I go home to my wife and I say, I need that. (laughs) Why do I need that? I need that because it feels like I'm falling behind in the race. And part of the message of freeing yourself from anxiety is step away from the race and trust that God is all wise and he knows what you need. He knows what you truly need. But there's more than just that. He's powerful enough to rule an eternal kingdom. Verse 33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. These things are the things that you need. Seek first his kingdom, however. What is God's kingdom? It is his rule. It is his active reign in our lives. The kingdom of God is anywhere where God is in charge. I want that to be present in my life. When God is in charge in my life, my life will look like that next word. It will look like righteousness. I will be doing what God calls right for the right reasons, living a righteous life. Seek first his rule to live out a righteous life the way God defines it, and he will add these things to your life. He's powerful enough to do that. I can trust him with extravagant trust, even though in life it is normal to have sensations of worry. It's normal once in a while to be apprehensive about what might be coming down the road. The world is a scary place and scary things happen. But here's the reassurance that comes from the word of God. It says this, 1 Peter 5. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he might lift you up in due time. Cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Humble yourself. Why? Because he's the king and he is ruling the kingdom. Allow him to rule in your life. And what it will feel like is surrender. 
It's interesting to me that when the Bible wants to give us comfort, wants to show us that we can move away from anxiety and be comforted before God, we hear the word, humble yourself. Put yourself in the right position before God. Recognize that He is the ruler and you are not. And when I understand that, I want to be lifted up by the one who loves me and the one who rules this kingdom. Be humble enough to be surrendered before him. Part of that brings trust. He's able to meet my need. He's able to rule a kingdom. And thirdly, he's gracious enough to grant me favor. You see, embedded in this passage is not just God will meet your need. There's more than that. God will give you favor. In verse 32, it says, the pagans run after all these things. Now, what are the these things that Jesus is talking about there? The these things are the basics in life. We're promised that God will help us. What you wear, what you eat, what you drink. Everybody runs after these things. God knows that you need them. But that's not all that he promises. Back up to verse 28 and read with the the idea that's embedded here. It says, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow was thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Do you see the words much more? That's favor. It's not just eking by. It's favor. God does not dole out survival rations. He goes above and beyond. That's why you can extravagantly trust him. God has an artistic flair. God has an eye for color. God could have created the world in black and white, and you would never have known the difference. But he didn't. He could have invented, he could have never invented a sense of humor. You would never have laughed and you would never miss it. You could never know what it's like to listen to music and appreciate music and have your soul lifted. He could have invented food that all tasted bland and we would never know what we're missing. But God is not like that. He's an extravagant God. He's a gracious God. So he blesses us with color and laughter and texture and art and music and taste. See, the promise that's here is, this, is not this. Don't worry, God's going to give you a burlap sack to cover your nakedness and oatmeal three times a day. That's not the promise. The promise is beyond a minimum provision to abundance. The image is he delights to adorn nature and he delights to adorn you as well. He's an extravagant God. He gives you favor. He is aware, he is able, he is graciously predisposed to bless you. That's his posture. Be ready for it when you trust him. Think of it this way, parents. Isn't part of your joy on Christmas morning when your kids open up the the presents and you see their joy in receiving the presents? Isn't that part of what you're experiencing on Christmas which makes it so great? That's exactly the heart of God towards you. He wants you to experience that joy when he blesses you abundantly. 
And so, hearing all of this, what is the conclusion we're meant to come to? Well, Jesus actually says the conclusion twice. Verse 31 and verse 34, he says, here's the conclusion. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? Conclusion again in verse 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Extravagant trust is called for. But there's more than that. Because on our side of the coin, there is also some common sense work that we need to do. We need to work a plan to enable us to receive what God has. Now, before I go any further about this plan, I want to say something. And that is, there are some forms of anxiety that are so chronic, they need professional help. Understand me in that. It is not evil, it is not sinful to get psychological and emotional help for chronic anxiety that plagues you. I'm not talking about that level. I'm talking about what I'll call common anxiety. The level of anxiety that we, we really see across the spectrum of our, of our society today. And for that, we need to devise what I call the AAAP. What's that? The Anti-Anxiety Action Plan. We all need one. And here's how the plan goes. Number one, identify what worries you. Because in reality, probably your anxiety comes from the fact that you've allowed a lot of things globbed together rather than identifying them individually. Identify individually what worries you and you'll find out sometimes, many times, that you know what, that's not that big a deal. We invest too much anxiety in a particular thing. We write that thing down and, and ask yourself, how important is it, this thing that I'm worried about? How important really is this? My father used to kind of help me think these things through when I was growing up. And he said, in 100 years, is anybody going to care about that? That helped me as a teenager. Probably not. How important is this? If this was the last month of my life, if I had 30 days to live, would I spend emotional time worrying about this? It brings our worries to size. That's step number one. Step number two, share your worries with the people around you. Close friends. Everybody needs a community of solid, supportive people with whom we can talk out our anxiety. That's why God calls us to a church family to a congregation where we build relationships, into classes and Bible studies where we get to know names and get to have a relationship that we can depend on because we need one another. That's part of the plan. And we speak our concerns to one another and we can help. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times. A brother is born for adversity. And this is why, because we need to share in a community that supports us. Number three, be present in your life daily. Day by day, be present. Usually we're not worried about the things that we're working on right now. We're worried about the next things. We're worried about tomorrow's things. And sometimes tomorrow can overshadow today. And that's not how God wants you to live. Remind yourself that no one knows the future except God. And that thing that you're worried about that looks so sure as gloom and doom may not turn out that way at all. 
So just give it to the Lord and live each day present. I'm not saying don't plan, but I'm saying work the plan. Live the plan. And part of the plan is enjoying your relationship with Jesus every day, enjoying your relationship with your family every day, your friends every day, the life you have every day. Be present in the moment rather than letting the next moments overshadow. Number four, anti-anxiety action plan. Step four, act on the odds. Now, I'm not telling you to go gamble. What I'm telling you is, by doing things, you can improve the odds of that thing that you're worrying about not coming true. So are you worried about a recent conversation you had with your doctor? Do what he told you to do. Did he tell you to change your diet? Change your diet. Did he tell you to lose weight? Lose weight. Are you worried about a test that's coming up? Study. Is the test tomorrow? Cram. <laughs> Do something. Little actions make a difference to improve your odds and your anxiety will be less. Fifth, present your request to God. I leave it last, not for being last, but for emphasis. Because we need to realize that the God who extravagantly loves us waits for us to speak to him. He wants to hear your prayers. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him, because, <clears throat> on him because he cares for you. We should do that. And maybe you're saying, you know, I, I know I've prayed about stuff. It doesn't work, so I'm kind of giving up on that. I, I'm looking for something else. If that's you, here's what I want you to do. Before you pray about the thing that you're worried about, I want you to go stand in front of your mirror and say out loud to your reflection in the mirror, well, this is what I'm worried about. Speak the worry. And I guess this is too hard for God to fix. And the ridiculousness of your own voice will drive you to prayer. Pray. See, at its heart, anxiety is an attempt to carry all the regrets of the past, all the pressures of the today, and all the fears of the future, all together, all at once. But Jesus invites us to lay them down before him. And he says, I am an extravagant God. You can trust me extravagantly. Matthew 11, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You can find rest for your souls. Let's pray together. Lord, it's that rest that we need. Because so, so often the anxiety seems to be defining us and sapping us of all of our energy. But Lord, we, we want to learn how to trust you. We want to know that we can trust you. And so we thank you that you invite us not only to bring our concerns to you, but wait for your answer. And so Lord, we wait. We wait upon you. For some of us here today, there is a specific thing that we're thinking about. Lord, we need your solution. We need your direction. And we pray that you enable us to find your will for our lives. Help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. The team is back to lead us in a closing song. Let's stand together as we sing. Everybody say your spirit. Your spirit lives within me. So I will walk in your peace. Your 
Maybe you're here today and there is an issue in your life that is causing anxiety and worry and you would like to lay it down at the foot of Jesus. You can do that in prayer by our, with our prayer counselors today. They'll wait for you. They're by the organ next to the prayer table. They will wait and pray with and for you. You slip forward as others are leaving. But first, let's all pray together. Lord, we thank you that you know exactly what we're facing and you already have a plan. We thank you that you know what tomorrow will bring and you're already there. So, Lord, we trust you in it. We pray that as we live lives of faith, walking by faith and not by sight, we would be examples of what it means to be the people of Jesus. Help us do that in this next week, we pray. For we ask it in Christ's name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for coming today.